A long time ago, a studio far, far away, two nerds decided for May they would cover Star Wars. Welcome to Movie Real, folks. I'm Kevin Tracy. And I'm Samantha Tomlinson. And that's right, you heard it from that handsome narrator that we are covering Star Wars. <laughs> it is Star Wars month. Yay! And Woo, we finally made it. Happy May 4th, everybody. Yay, happy May 4th. And to all my Star Wars fans, I'm so sorry. Wait, why? Because... On May 4th, we are going to be getting the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Currently, there are two episodes left as of us recording this. The last episode that came out, The Phantom Apprentice, uh, is currently the fourth highest rated TV show episode ever on IMDb, with a 9.9 out of 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, shit's getting real on that show. What what was the the one like random joke which is just like hey are you guys talking about Star Wars yeah <laughs> that was the joke like that of of uh, was a warp zone yeah a YouTube channel is just them doing a skit of like uh like George like the Lucas J. J. Abrams George Lucas team just like on, yeah 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 George Lucas like hey like walking to like the writers room as they're like working on like a uh, uh, the next what's gonna be the next after Force yeah, Awakens the, yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey, you guys talked about Star Wars, and one of the writers is just like so excited. It's like, yeah, it's like, can I join? It's like, sure. Um, yeah, I just remember Aaron showed us that, and where he's like, that's all of us. <laughs> that's yeah, that, yeah, one hundred percent. So what? Um, <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Uh, we are starting with my absolute favorite Star Wars movie, Episode Four: A New Hope, which came out in nineteen seventy-seven. Oh, this and- one's your this one's your favorite. This this one is my absolute was, favorite, uh, especially of the original trilogy, and just as a series as a whole, this one's my favorite. Yeah, this one I I went back and forth for a while. I think I expected Empire Strikes Back to be my favorite, but then and then at the time it was for a while it was Return of the Jedi, but now and then it was no, I think it's A New Hope, and now I'm. I don't know. I, I go back and forth between them, and which it's it's one of those two for sure. Yeah, I get you. But yeah, no this this one was always had a soft spot for me. I mean, I grew up watching a lot of like you know George Lucas and Steven Spielberg movies, yes. like, you know Star Wars and Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. uh, Jurassic Park. And Jurassic Park is by far like my all time favorite movie. Yeah. Um. So ho- hopefully we'll cover that uh, later on, but for now hopefully. We'll, we'll, we'll stick. With, hopefully, but for now we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll stick with Star Wars. Um, but yeah, no, this one I, I've always had uh, a soft spot specifically for this movie, and as I kind of like rewatched it, and I feel like the main reason I liked this one is because of the music. Like John Williams, who's oh, yeah. the composer for pretty much all these movies, for like all the movies I just said, like you know Indiana Jones, yeah. Park, this. Um, he did such a phenomenal job. Oh just yeah, creating the music and the overall tone and atmosphere for these movies is simply breathtaking. I I can't even really come into words of how to describe how magical he makes the movie feel 
just from his the music alone. Binary Sunset is one of the most it, it's it's definitely one of his most gorgeous pieces of writing. It's definitely I think the most beautiful piece of of uh, score in Star Wars. Like that's one hundred percent agree with you. That's that might be I don't know that might be my favorite part. It's definitely my fa- absolute favorite piece of music. I don't know when it comes to John John Williams. It's hard to have a favorite. I mean, that's hard, but. Yeah, I don't it, even. He, yeah, no, because literally everything he did just became an instant classic. We should I just mean, do a this... John Williams time where we just sit and talk. We just talk about John Williams. Just, oh yeah, just I mean, Williams. from <laughs> this to the uh, Indiana Jones theme to Jurassic um, theme, uh, Jurassic Park theme, like Harry Potter. Yeah. I didn't even know. I didn't even realize that he was. I knew he was in Harry Potter. I didn't realize he did uh, Prisoner of Azkaban because it doesn't even sound like him. Yeah, it's he so also different. did. I think. I think the main one that I know he did was. Um, it was called Hedgewig's theme, um, for Sorcerer's Stone, and I think that's the oh, initial oh, theme Hedwig's when he theme. first. Yeah, we, and, and I think that's the initial theme that we hear when um, Harry like, Run and like all of them are like arriving at Hogwarts for the first time. Or that's, uh, I think that uh, it's, there's Harry's Wondrous World, and then there's Hedwig's theme. Those are the. Yeah. I mean, he did all of those. Are the two? Yeah, and uh. Those, those are the two main ones I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the two most famous. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, every, not even just John Williams. This is, this whole endeavor is, like, when we, when, when we, when people say Star Wars changed film, changed cinema, it did, it changed it. It didn't, it just changed it in every single possible way. Not just, oh, it's a story, it, like, it not i mean they've had stories set in space um yeah uh mark hamill i it's it's a really funny interview it's he was on seth meyers so wild i think this was this was way before even uh rise of skywalker came out and he was saying when he first read the script he's like this is more like wizard of oz compared to other science fiction like 2001 <laughs> he's like because he said how a 2001 space odyssey he's like it's a stone cold classic a laugh yeah. riot it ain't like you know it's, it's uh it not so not even just the 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 themes and the the general story but as well as like pri- uh, you know princess leia completely changed the norms of what a princess is as well as oh, absolutely. At, in terms of characters but also we have all these minor characters that have they don't even do much but they're so beloved like boba fett you know or um uh, oh hey hey no, no, no. He's, he's not a minor character no but i mean he's not part of the main cast and he's not like okay yeah he doesn't work with he's not the emperor or darth vader he's just I, a I mean, third feel, party like i still i still feel like he's a principal antagonist no he's an antagonist but he i wouldn't say he's a he's not a major major like you see him briefly in a new hope you're more aware of him in uh empire strikes back i mean he's not a He's not one of the principal main characters. He's a third he's a third party antagonist that they have to deal with. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. uh But no, I I one hundred percent agree with you that this did kind of change how we kind of see uh fantasy movies because especially in like the seventies, a lot of like sword and sword this is what it honestly feels like is like it when you kind of read the description, it just kind of sounds like a sword and sorcery type movie set in space. And it is, like, in a, in a, in a it, sense, it is. Yeah, because it's it's space wizards and a farm boy learning from an old wizard to stop a 
uh, an evil emperor to yeah. save a princess with some some rough scoundrels and that they find in a bar. Like that's yeah. literally th- this hits every beat of like a normal like like classic like sword and sorcery type fantasy movie. And just based off of like that formula alone, there are so many of those types of movies that just kind of slip under the radar and are just fall into obscurity. And yet this movie kind of flips all of those stereotypes on their head to make them just kind of make it its own to make it a more enjoyable experience. Like uh, how you were saying Princess Leia kind of changed the norms of like how princess is portrayed in movies. Like normally like princesses and like other female characters and stuff like this. It's kind of like, it's like, Oh, she's the princess. So she can't really like do any fighting or anything. Oh, um, and yeah, like and they physically substantial, yeah. A little while back, I came, I became a contributing writer for this as an app called 4B. I recommend people check it out. It's basically, uh, it's kind of like two opposing viewpoints, and then they hire writers to take one stance, take the other stance, and then people vote. The first one was which is better star Wars or star Trek. And I honestly, I first, I didn't even want to do it because I haven't seen star Trek and I didn't feel comfortable automatically siding with one when I haven't even seen the other, seen the other. but yeah. I also was like, it's, I mean, it's kind of, I did it anyway, but I, I was saying, but it's, you know, <laughs> I, I talked about Leia, how she like the second she, the second she's able to, she fights locked in a room when there's, not really a play you know she can't pick the lock there's no there's not a way to escape the second she gets out and they she sees oh well these guys aren't able to so whatever she grabs a gun and like just you know she she's not just the the damsel in distress no like she's just fuck that like she's the second yeah Yeah. she's a she's a i mean she is born to be a general which i think that was really that i thought that was awesome i will say what what they did for force awakens but i mean not even so aside from even the characters like the entire the endeavor of making this movie was they had to so george lucas had to create scale models of everything they had to get really really creative with the camera to pull this off yeah the the behind the scenes of this movie is is fascinating because a lot of the stuff that they did were they would put matte paintings for a lot of the landscapes like uh when you see um obi-wan r2 and luke just like hang out on like the side of the cliff and they're looking uh down and they see moss eisley they're just looking at a matte painting and they're just the matte painting is like covering the screen of the camera it and is? they just kind of didn't know that well there, there were several times i mean it may not be like that specifically but uh yeah one specific instance of that is in uh, Return of the Jedi. I, I know we're jumping ahead, but in Return of the Jedi, when the Emperor shows up in the hangar and there's like hundreds of stormtroopers just like lined up in formation uh, to to like welcome his entrance, um, there's only about like five stormtroopers there, and the rest of them are just matte paintings, and they just matched up the painting on to the frame of the camera to match the scale of the actual actors in that set. See, that's that's incredible. Yeah. So the the actual production that had never been done before, and then when it came out, and 
also we suddenly merchandising was never a big a big a deal for films it star wars changed that audiences were lining up and seeing it again and again in theaters it's just every single possible every single step of the filmmaking process from development to release was just never before seen it's this isn't and this isn't something just like oh it's this cool movie that came out no it it completely changed the landscape of cinema forever it, it really did <laughs> it yeah. did um like and we have we have to talk we have to talk about ben burt the guy who <laughs> changed audio design also changed to talk shocker forever because i mean there was the sound <laughs> there was the this the sound guys there was john williams but ben burt had to create sounds that didn't exist yeah the lightsabers and, and the droids. blaster effects and he he also worked for indiana jones and for that like for the rolling boulder he just pushed a car down a gravel like a gravel steep like a hill or something yeah yeah just like gravel road yeah i i do i do remember that and he just kind of like did that in like a spur of the moment it's like man i really need to get something rolling down the hill it's like huh this gravel's making a lot of noise and i got my audio equipment in the car Let's roll down the windows, put this thing in neutral, and roll this thing down a hill. See how, what kind of sound that makes, and voila, that's how we get the boulder. Sound design is very, very like it doesn't get the respect that it yeah, deserves. It's it, it's, all, it's very hard. Uh, did you did you ever get to take the audio class? I did take the directing class, and we did focus a uh, a sizable section of that class just talking and. Uh, working about uh foley errors and yeah i have so much respect for all the random sounds that you hear in movies because someone had to figure out what that sound would sound like and just make a exaggerated version of that sound like we watched an entire documentary on just the art of foley artists that like a lot of that was um focused primarily on like old rubber hose style animation from like disney yeah um, because like all of those had a sound effect as well, like uh like a, a drawbridge uh calling falling down, like you would have that really loud thunk as it hit the ground and the the rattling of the chains. They actually had to have like a a winch with a chain that they would just crank up to to simulate the sound of like you know the chains rattling and all the gears grinding to to lower yeah. that drawbridge and just throw like this heavy uh like wood plank. Like this really like thick wood plank on the ground to make that loud thunk noise of of the drawbridge uh, coming down, and they, and they kind of just did similar stuff to that for uh, this movie, but they had to uh, invent a lot of new sounds because lightsabers that that wasn't a thing before this. Like, Yo, like no, no one really had like laser swords, um, so th- this kind of changed how. Foley artists kind of worked because they had to work in a more uh, controlled environment to just synthesize all these unique sounds. And now I think there's just like a library of all these sounds that I think you it's free for people to use, or it used to be for free. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, since Disney took over, but yeah, uh, Lu- Lucas Arts um, had like this entire library and catalog that was. Uh, for a time free for anyone to use uh, for any movies or video projects. Um, 
I don't know if that is still currently the case, but it, it was such an extensive library and such a fantastic and great resource for uh, upcoming filmmakers to just kind of uh, pick and choose from to give their uh, movie or video uh, a unique sound. Yeah, that's cool. That's, yeah. that's really great. So that's funny. I took, uh, so because when, when I took directing, I took it with cinematography. That, that was more of a discussion than audio. When I took, I had to take an audio class and I took it alongside with media aesthetics and walking out of both that semester, I remember I had such a deep, I, I mean, I, I, of course, had a respect for film, but I never really, this was the other side of it. This was, this was a different side of it that I, I hadn't really, op- I haven't, I didn't peek behind that curtain. So I remember I walked out of that year just like, oh my God, like having such a newfound deep respect for the people that deal with audio and deal with uh, production. And it's it's and it's an endeavor that it's kind of hard. To, it, that I think most people don't understand. Like it's not, it's not like any other, it, it part, I kind of explain it. I would kind of say it like the whole filmmaking process is like an assembly line. In a sense, everybody's got to do their part. And if you, one person messes up, it's kind of a domino effect. There's a good chance the whole thing is just going to fall apart or it's not yeah. going to be a very good end result. Um, but yeah, audio, I remember it was so, it it was cool to be like, oh, I recorded that sound or I did this and I put it together. But it also, that, that class gave me a heart attack. Like <laughs> almost every single class. And our Andrew, our friend Andrew can vouch for this. Like every oh, single yeah. day, I like mentally deteriorated yeah because um, th- this was around the time where you were just spending like like 10 hour days just oh on campus. No. this was before this was before then oh right this is before then yes i did i had days i would be on campus for like 10 i one day i was there for like 13 hours i had to get to cl- I had class at nine and i didn't leave until school until maybe 10 at night yeah. <laughs> um, but i was still i didn't really <laughs> I got so used to it and I, it wasn't like I hate, I was enjoying everything I was doing. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a struggle, you know? Um, But anyway, so let's, (laughs) let's get more into the actual movie. So yeah, this came out in uh, 1977. Yeah. Do we know what, sorry, I'm going to look up the actual date. Yeah. 19, May 25th, 1977. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so it was originally just called Star Wars. The it was not was it always like in the uh title in the title credits A New Hope but not episode 4? Yeah, that, I I, I yeah. think that eventually changed when Empire Strikes Back came out because like wait, episode episode uh 5 what what did he mean like was episode 4 like it, it kind of confused the audience uh especially when like all three of them came out. It's like four, five, six. Oh well, wait, where's one, two, three? It kind of confused audiences. And there, there's a really interesting theory uh, that kind of coincides with a deal that, unfortunately, that Lucas like unfortunately made with Kenner, a uh, toy line company that basically like made eighty percent of the Star Wars merchandise. Um, mm-hmm. That it kind of like may or may not explain why 
the prequel trilogy came out as late as it did because that came that didn't come out until 1999 and didn't finish until 2005. So there was a large gap between episode uh, six and one. Yeah. And the reason behind that is when these movies came out, the original trilogy came out, George Lucas created a deal with the Kenner Toy Company that for some reason he, he somehow set up the deal that they would get the, the majority of the profits for the toy line would go to Kenner rather than himself when he uh, set up a deal uh, with like the actual movie company that he would get a lot of the profits instead of like a um, initial paycheck from making the movies, he would get mm-hmm. a percentage of the merchandising rights, which at the time was kind of unheard of because movies that kind of focused on that didn't make that much. As we all know, Star Wars completely changed that. So when he did the deal with Kenner, he somehow shot himself in the own foot and gave them a majority of the rights to merchandising. So that meant that he wasn't getting as much as he would have initially intended if he had picked one deal or the other. So when episode six came out and uh, stopped making movies for uh, a significant amount of time and Kenner eventually was running out of Star Wars toys ideas because they could only make as many toys as there were movies. Right. Um, their license eventually expired and George Lucas capitalized on that and then re-initialized that deal with uh, Hasbro and made sure that he would get the majority of the merchandising rights. And then, coincidentally, the production for Phantom Menace was already underway. Oh boy! Oh boy! So, so, so I don't know if that was the initial reason why he decided to wait so long to make them, but the coincidence is very obvious once you kind of look at it that way. I just thought he just couldn't take that endeavor until he told the told the tale of Howard the Duck. Yeah, I always thought it was that. <laughs> George Lucas is an interesting person. Uh. Would you okay? So watching A New Hope, he wrote the original Star Wars, and he wrote the prequels, and he obviously was gets credited as for the story for the for yeah. uh, the rest, but he only actually wrote the original Star Wars and the prequels. Would you okay? It's okay if you don't. I just <laughs> the idea I've been toying with. Would you agree? He is a better filmmaker and maybe director than he is a writer. Um, I would say that he is a better director than writer, although I do have to say that with him writing all of the prequels and all of the original trilogy, that he had a very clear vision that was able to, he was able to see into fruition and was able to see the light of day from beginning to end. There was a very clear beginning, yeah. middle, and end, and there wasn't a lot muddled up in between because of uh, multiple creative differences Uh that the sequels trilogy, in my opinion, had because there that had like three or four different directors over the course of five years. Like it, it, it kind of. I felt like the the sequel trilogy kind of just became a mess over time. Whereas this the prequels, I mean, they may not be held in as high regard as the original trilogy, but he had a clear vision and yes. it, he was able to connect it the those stories with his original works. And I, I very much respect him for being able to do that, even though a lot of the dialogue and the characters 
didn't make any sense or okay, yeah. just just didn't really uh, connect to the audience as much as they could have. I agree. I agree because I mean, I, we won't we won't get completely into it. Yeah, I think in terms of the sequels, Rise of Skywalker, it was uh, according to critics and and like reviews, it was the worst one. Yet I feel like audiences kind of agree it was also the best one because it was the most entertaining. But yeah, it was very disappointingly clear that they didn't really have a cohesive story, which I don't understand why it doesn't make sense why they didn't plan that out. George Lucas, he, for the prequels. Yeah. He, he knew he was going to do a trilogy unless told otherwise. Uh, I don't think he, for the original star Wars, I don't, there, there wasn't, was there a trilogy planned? He didn't think Um, the first one was going to even be a success. He didn't even go to the premiere. He went to Hawaii with Steven Spielberg and they came up (laughs) with a plot of writers. (laughs) Yeah. And then when they came back, it's like, wait, this is still in theaters and people were waiting around the block to see it. Um, Which got to say how much that would suck that he spent all that time and devotion to creating something that he thought was going to be bad. But Anyway, well, I feel like well, when when he originally showed off like uh, a lot of the um like the test footage to a lot of like filmmakers and producers to kind of like gauge their reaction to see if this was any good. Right. Steven Spielberg was the only one there who really had his back because mm-hmm. well when he originally showed them it was a lot of unshot special effects that had yet to be filmed or inserted into the film so he was kind of just showing them an incomplete uh, mm-hmm. movie that. It's like, oh, just use your imagination. Like this is like he's holding a laser sword. It's like, why, why is he holding uh, a fluorescent like silver tube? It's like, no, 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 it's a light. It's a laser sword called uh, a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he he basically just showed them the a version of the movie that just didn't have any of the special effects in it, um, and they just trashed that movie. Except Which makes Steven sense. Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but I mean, yeah. like. He was showing them a work in progress movie. Yeah. So it's yeah. like that. Yeah. But like, yeah, Steven Spielberg was really like the only one who like had his back from like the b- very beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And like that, that's like a solid friendship. And that kind of show carries over into the Indiana Jones movies, which great trilogy. I just love how for, uh, the fourth Indiana Jones Spielberg basically just kind of abandoned ship and said, yeah, uh, kind of let George Lucas kind of ran with that one. <laughs> so, like, he just, like, <laughs> just kind of, uh, just, just, uh, uh, yeah, no, no, it was him. And he just like runs away. Like, I just thought that was hilarious that he, that, that he, that he just abandoned ship. But, um, I think I was rewatching a new hope. So Mark Hamill said that he cast people that's so close to what he wants that he doesn't have to give him a ton of direction. Which, because I know Carrie Fisher obviously was a ton, a ton of influence for Leia, um, and and I mean Harrison Ford is, I I say he's kind of a blend of Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Like he is cool. And, he's very and, much like a kind of like a a rugged kind of um, plays by his own rules, like swashbuckler type. He, yeah, he, he's very exactly. much like he's he's very much kind of like a rogue type character of just like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do what needs to be done it may not be ethically clean but it's gonna get done for a morally good purpose (laughs) like he's gonna get it done it's just gonna get done in a somewhat sketchy way 
Yes. Um, um, which yeah, which exactly. I kind of like that. He, I, I kind of like that in terms of like the dynamic of like, you know, the core cast is like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do the, the right thing. It's just, you know, not all of us are going to be as squeaky clean as the rest. Like but, he, he but, has no like remorse when it, when it comes to like, Oh, there's a, <laughs> there's a bounty hunter trying to kill me. Boom. Shot him. He's dead. <laughs> that's why I love, that's when I remember when I watched solo, I realized kind of the his his like girlfriend love interest in that movie i realized it was very clear why leia is perfect for him because she's she has that same like fighter that he does but she's got that but she's more of an opposite of him more the opposite of him she wants she they both want to do the right thing whereas she wants to do it ethically and you know no regrets, no remorse, where he just wants it to be done with no matter the means where, and she, I mean, I mean, they, it's, uh, I'm trying to, they both just, they have their similar in the right ways and opposite in the good ways that kind of contrast each other. Yeah. Cause Leia, she, she's always been portrayed as a leader. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, like even when, before she even like really had like any official capacity, in the rebellion in terms of like uh upper leadership like before like alderaan blew up <laughs> spoiler if you haven't seen it yeah. Uh, <laughs> um yeah even before that like she she was just like always just kind of been uh, a vip in like the upper echelons of the rebellion hierarchy um whereas han solo kind of accidentally and very reluctantly was dragged into a leadership position um especially after the events of the new hope like after that he was a min- like immediately like uh like not immediately but like over the course of time he was um, uh promoted to general alongside uh leia and uh uh, luke was a uh commander Um, yeah and then yeah it it also kind of shows because in the yeah in the beginning he doesn't he's in this he's supposed to get paid and then he he's he says i'm in this for the money but then he obviously stays around and he helps luke and they destroy the death star but then yeah. in and then in uh empire strikes back luke hasn't come back yet he goes out and gets him he goes out to find yeah. his friend like his own personal not i didn't say code but he always kind of looked out for himself and that changed when he not even just the cause but he realized there there's people in his life that he's not gonna just he's not gonna just let them go like yeah. he used he would have in the past um, yeah, because the only real like like friendship he had was like the only things that he really cared about was like the Millennium Falcon, and his money, and Chewbacca. Chewie. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna not include Chewie. He's he's <laughs> no. I love Chewie. I, <laughs> I, I, I know, so but the, the one thing that I I was like really worried about was when watching the sequel trilogy, and it's like oh, like Han Solo died, and like oh, Leia is gonna die, and and Luke died. It's like. Son of a bitch, if they kill Chewie, there's well, going to be a riot. <laughs> sorry, a little bit of spoiler. When in that scene where we think Chewie's dead, for a split second, I felt really bad because I kind of, I didn't want him to die. But you know when, as like an audience member, you want something to happen. And as you, you yeah. don't want characters to die, but at the same time, you can't help but like a part of you wants the character to die because you want to see what's going to happen and that reaction. Yeah. And so I felt like a monster for thinking that at the time. I know, but, but it was like at that point in the movie, it's just like, 
nothing's really happened in this and, movie, and this is the only interesting thing. And for them to kill Chewbacca in that way, it's like, and that's that was, really messed up and morbid, but it makes the movie interesting if that's the case. It, it eventually wasn't, but it's like, oh, damn. That's what my, my friends were like. To, if that's how he died, that was just such a disrespect to him. But, I mean, thankfully... Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, thankfully, he doesn't. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> we were all like... Yeah. Ah. Uh, especially... Yeah, especially in comparison to who he actually died in the um, uh, extended universe before that was a uh, retconned. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he goes out like a beast, <laughs> as Chewie would. <laughs> yeah, he he the, he yeah. literally dies saving a bunch of refugees of this doomed planet that this enemy like empire. It, it's not the empire. It's like an like a rival enemy alien like force from another galaxy like invades their galaxy and like causes this moon to collide with the planet and mm-hmm. they're trying to get as many people out of there and ben solo has the choice of either trying to save chewbacca or save all the refugees including himself and his father and so he had to leave chewy and chewy died and his father hated him for that <laughs> it's like Damn, I thought it was Chewie who like, a... told him to go ahead, but if that's not yeah. what happened, then... Oh. Yeah, no, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> Could you imagine if we got that in the, the sequel trilogy? I, I don't even know what I would have <laughs> just... No, that would have been... That would have... That would have... My heart would have just been ripped out. I think everybody's yeah, that's, that is so hard. That's so heartbreaking. <laughs> oh god. Although that would have given a good reason as to why Ben switched to the dark side. Is like, oh yeah, my dad hates me because his I let his best friend die. Okay. Oh boy. Let's. I I, I have so <laughs> many thoughts on that. Let's let's just not let's just not because I have we would be talking for like twenty four straight hours. Okay. Okay, so, okay, yeah, let's talk about something that doesn't have any controversy. So, so Han shot first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so New Hope, we, like, let's get to get to the movie. Uh, <laughs> the Empire, they are boarding a ship that's filled, that has Leia on it, who's on a diplomatic mission, because she has the plans to defeat the Death Star that she's putting in R2. Yeah. And, and, okay, I gotta say... The uniforms, the helmets, how are those going to help you? I, yeah, I always thought the, the helmet design, I mean, they're unique for the, yeah. the Rebellion. I just, I always thought that it was kind of odd, because yeah, I uh, mean, you don't really have, like, like I guess it's there to protect, like, so they don't, like, get shot in, like, the back of, like, the head or the neck. Because if they, like, look but they're wearing in, like, just, a way, like... They're just wearing, like, It, it just fabric. looks like... Close. Yeah, it just, it just looks like like they're wearing like a weird like shovel. Like that's what it looks like. I just love um, the the uh, not the stormtroopers, but people that are working for the Empire have like a similar helmet that's black. And my dad walked, and my dad's like, "God, they look like it makes me think of space balls." And I'm like, "Yes, exactly. They all <laughs> they all look like dark helmet, dark helmet." Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, the, I I do actually enjoy like the um imperial engineers like those like style helmets because it's a full helmet rather like it's a full like face mask like it, it covers like everything rather than like the imperial like the rebellion yeah. it's just it's just like a hood scoop yeah, that they're yeah, wearing yeah. on their head it's just it, I, I feel like there was supposed to be more to it there that they just i felt like 
they just had like limited designs for like costumes so they just took those helmets mm-hmm. and just spray painted them black and just gave them like a face mask and just gave it to the imperials for those scenes probably it, it just yeah, yeah it, it just felt like they were like very low on resources like no one will notice this right <laughs> so i'm just gonna say this now uh cup i prior to actually watching star wars uh, when I was in like, I don't know, middle school, high school, I, my first like knowledge and intro to Star Wars was the Family Guy parody of it. So, oh my God. And so after what happens, what I noticed is whenever Family Guy made a reference to a movie that I had seen, I'm like, oh, that's funny. But when they made a reference that I didn't get, and then I eventually found out what movie it was, or I watched the movie, all I see is the parody. All I see is the joke. So during this, during New Hope, I just, and we were even one time watching Empire Strikes Back and I was laughing and you like, you knew that I was laughing at something related to Star Wars because all I'm seeing is just the joke. Uh, yeah. Cause, cause I have seen those parodies as well. It's like, she's laughing at these exact same beats as the parody is like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, seriously. So, yeah, and, and then I love this, the intro of Darth Vader is just perfect. <laughs> because oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, pl- it's not like, it's not supposed to be some, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's a reveal. He steps out of kind of some smoky, uh, like, you know, fumes from gut yeah, lasers yeah. or whatnot. It's just simple. It's just right to the, right to the point And, yeah. and it's like, oh, this is the bad guy. Okay. Yeah, okay. and then you see him choking like one of like the the head security officers on the on the ship, and he's like a good foot off the ground yeah. when you, when you see his just his feet are dangling, and you just hear like the bones like and his neck snapping as like Vader just starts squeezing and throws him against the wall. It's like, okay, is, this is not someone to mess with. Is this? Do you think that's simply because is he using the force or is it? he's just that strong or is it probably both both okay uh actually no i think in that scene it's just that's just his brute strength and his robotic limbs oh oh okay then yeah yeah it's like he like all of his limbs at that point are full fully robotic so he's just able to just snap a dude in half if he wanted to they and this is and this is when our first like we see the first time we meet Leia. Yeah, she's uploading the she's uploading the plans into this R two unit, and I just I I always forget about the forget about this part when the first like the first like op- the opening we're seeing C three PO and R two D two just like wandering around like oh crap like the <laughs> Imperialists are boarding what are we gonna do and there's just like a whole fight going on and they do one of those like Scooby Doo crossings of just like crossing the hallway yeah. and nobody noticing they, they they have such strong plot armor that is kind of disgusting <laughs> they they managed to walk right in the middle of the crosshire between the rebels and the stormtroopers and not even once are they even aimed at they're just like huh that was weird all right keep yeah. shooting <laughs> so i i gotta say this leia she we've already talked about how she's super badass but she um i love so I know everybody kind of makes fun because her hair. Oh, the, cin- the Cinnabons. The, the Cinnabons. They're so iconic. They're so iconic, they, they really yeah. Are. But I gotta say, her hair is out of her face. That's what I appreciate. Yeah. And and especially, I, I'm my favorite of her costumes is her snow, her snowsuit, her snow 
outfit from Empire Strikes Back because oh, her, it's her her parka. Yeah, I mean it's like it's all white. It's a vest. Oh, okay. It's it's stylish but practical. And yeah. I have this obsession with I love I appreciate it so much when costume designers do that for women as opposed to just giving them something that's either revealing or something like or I hate this is my thing about when girls have their hair in their face when they're in a fight scene. I I part I do I do see that there is something there could be some kind of feminine power like and it does look cool but i know for me personally if i am aware if i know ahead of time that i'm gonna be in a situation where i'm gonna be moving around a lot i want my hair out of my face it's just a weird pet (laughs) peeve and so i appreciate when i'm seeing characters who they they take this into consideration so yeah her hair as iconic and as ridiculous as it is it is out of her face and she's like wearing practical clothing and so, but she gets caught by the imperialist and Darth Vader's, and she's like, I'm on a diplomatic mission. Darth Vader's like, no, you're a traitor. And she's taken away. But not yeah. before R2 and C-3PO escape. Yay, with the yeah. plans. And uh, one, one thing I want to point out about R2-G2 and C-3PO is that the respective actors, Kenny Baker, uh, rest in peace, who played mm. R2, and Anthony Daniels, who played C-3PO, they, they hated each other in they real did? life. They did? Well, Anthony know. Daniels has gone on saying that like him and Kenny Baker just never got along. I didn't know that. But it, 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 it but it is kind of funny because they have such like, in my opinion, they have like some of the best chemistry throughout the entire saga of just they they argue like a bickered married couple, even though yeah. we only hear the the conversation from one of their perspectives. We only hear C three PO talking in like normal English, rather than. And yeah. R2-D2 only talks in, like, bleeps and boops. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just really funny that they they did not like each other in real life, but in, in the movie, just the, the chemistry off of them was just, like, these these are, like, two best friends that have, like, gone through, like, thick and thin together. Like, they, they are mm-hmm. inseparable at this point, even if they... Because they, they eventually do, like, separate from each other only to end up back together. It's like, wow, they can't even try to leave each other. Oh, yeah, they get... They crash land on Tatooine, and R2's just like, nope, I'm going this way. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm going this way. It's like, no, we should go this way. And they I... both get captured by Jawas, the exact same Jawas. It's like, alright, well, I guess we're gonna get sold into slavery. He was supposed to talk r2 and i'm so glad he what? didn't r2 i thought he was supposed to actually have he was supposed to have yeah, a voice he, and it i'm so glad he didn't because it gave his character even more personality like yeah, he doesn't it, it need all, to talk just him him just ra- driving away like it is uh it's just yeah because even when he doesn't like speak like he has like a personality like he's he's like really like snarky and he's stubborn and like he doesn't take shit from 3PO even though 3PO is like sensible even though mm-hmm. he's a bit of a, a pessimist. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, and R2 gets is just going down his own little canyon. He gets captured, then C3PO. Yeah, and uh I got I'm just going to post this interview on the Facebook page afterwards, but uh Mark Hamill's the one that points out saying that he one of the reasons about the script that he loves is that it's if everything's just such a on an on a human level behaviorally and even with like yeah c3po like he sees he sees like a the jaw attractor and he's like over here like he's a robot he shouldn't yeah it's like i'm saved yeah and 
and is it it's it's like it's fate you know that they end up on yeah skywalker um it's some could say it was the force guiding them oh i mean probably yeah (laughs) yeah um but yeah no it was later i think it was confirmed in the extent like at some point during the extended universe which means nothing now since disney took over um but when the the jawas like line up all the droids to uh sell them to uh uncle owen and uh luke skywalker um they they originally buy uh 3po and some other random uh r2 unit and as that r2 unit is like driving away uh to to their home it's like motivator breaks and it just like completely like breaks down it's like hey like are we being scammed here mm-hmm. um at some point during the extended universe i believe we learned that that droid was force sensitive and was actually force sensitive enough to realize that no like it it knew that uh 3po and r2 needed to be together to meet uh uh luke to carry on with their mission to to bring balance to the force and thus it self-destructed itself to make sure that that happened. Oh my god! See, I actually went back because I always always wondered about that. Like, you have uh, yeah, C-3PO's going away and you think this is the end and R2 does something and I always thought, like, did he do something to make this one's motor break? And no, it just broke. And I'm like, oh, that's convenient. That's, that's yeah. great because then they get R2. And... Um, but oh my god. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's still part of the canon now because you know, because Disney took over, but that was the idea that was later of later on revealed, like way later in um the extended uh universe. At some either point. way, I don't that's remember a specifically nice, where. That's a nice theory, like either way. Yeah. Um no that, that's not a theory. That like that was actually confirmed. At yeah, some no, point. no, I but I, mean, I just don't remember where. But even if it, that's still if even if it's been like recanned because of disney like that's still a nice like you know there's a yeah there's no reason there's nothing to dispute or yeah there it's been confirmed but there's nothing to dispute it so but yeah so so mm-hmm. back to um princess leia she she has been transferred to a prison cell on the death star and they're they're still trying to like probe her for information to and torture her to get like any information on where the Death Star plans are. And this is where we are introduced to um one of my favorite villains in the original trilogy of Grand Marf Tarkin, played by the late great actor uh Peter Cushing Cushings. Um he we we were introduced to him in a meeting with uh, a bunch of other like fleet admirals in the Death Star and Vader eventually like chokes one of them because he's being kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just really cool because like even though Tarkin like doesn't really have like that much authority over Vader, Vader still respects his authority into not killing this guy. It's like yeah, this, this this arguing isn't getting anywhere. Vader relieves him. It's like fine as you wish. It's like it's yeah, like, wow. Like that's like technically Vader like outranks everyone in that room combined, and yet he still respects Tarkin's authority enough to release him. It's like that that just like shows like how much authority and how much respect like Tarkin has yeah. over his like peers and superiors. Like even the Emperor respected him to a degree. Yeah, that I was wondering. I was yeah. I've I've always noticed that, and I thought that was a, that's 
that's interesting that he, yeah, because they're, I was like, either they're equals, but he's definitely not above, he's definitely not outrank Darth Vader. So I always oh, thought no. that was like, interesting. Like, Vader is like, yeah. Yeah, because Vader is, like, right below the Emperor, and, like, everyone else is below him. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, like, the only other, I think, like, unequal, like, rankings would be um, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, but he doesn't show up at all in these movies, even though Disney took forever to, like, reintroduce him into canon. He, He was, like, a very fan favorite Imperial officer that got retconned when they took over, and then like reintroduced him like years later in the uh, Star Wars Rebels TV show, which happens like right before the events of Rogue One and uh, New Hope. Do you hear that they're making a uh, they're making a Disney on Disney Plus? They're making a series that's prior to Rogue One, like five years before Rogue One. Yeah, it, it's um Cassian Andor, right? Yeah, and I know yeah. Diego Diego Luna said he's returning and. I mean that'll be fun. I'm more. Yeah, uh, I'm more excited for the Obi Wan series whenever we finally get that. Yes, I'm. I'm, I'm so very excited, excited for that. For that. I, I'm. I'm so excited for that, and I'm excited for the last two episodes of Clone Wars because shit's, uh, getting, re- shit's getting real. It's getting it. Okay, the this is okay. Honestly, these episodes are going to be out by the time this comes out. But the next episode is going to we're, we're going to get Order sixty six. It's gotten to a point where so is Ahsoka's. It- Going what? up, is it going up to when Anakin becomes Darth Vader? Because it, it takes place at the exact same time as the as Revenge of the Sith. Okay, but like, because Revenge of the Sith, that's they were in the Clone Wars. They get sent to, hey, you got to go rescue Palpatine. The chan- yeah, and, yeah, it, yeah. So and then they're the no longer takes- work. They're no longer fighting in the Clone Wars. Like they're done. Yeah, no, like they're they're fighting until the Clone Wars all the way up until Order 66, but because by that point, like the Clone Wars ends and the Empire begins. Okay. So yeah, it, it's, yeah, this, the Clone Wars, the TV series takes place between episode two and episode three, and this is taking place at the exact time as episode three, all the way up until Order 66 and a little bit after. Oh boy. Oh and my God. It, the, <laughs> the next one, Ahsoka Tanu is on a ship after they've captured Darth Maul with some of her best friends who happen to be clones on their way to Coruscant after Obi-Wan has been sent to Uptapar to kill General Grievous and Anakin has been tasked to spy on the Chancellor after he has killed Count Dooku. So shit is going to get real, real fast. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. See, that's why when you told me when you told me this, I suddenly was like, OK, I got to hustle. And I'm, yeah, not, you, I'm, you, you, I'm not going to uh, make it to the last episode coming out. But no, I mean, I know. I'm, and I've already kind of spoiled that, like, Darth Maul is still alive. Well, but, I already. I mean, well, you, you don't know how. Oh, but I mean, apparently, because if you you already know that if you watch Solo, which makes no sense. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I didn't like about you, Solo. I mean, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that they reintroduced him to the general audience. But if you haven't seen Clone no, Wars, you're not going to yeah, get they, it. And when yeah, I, they did it in a way that had. People had zero context as to how or why he is alive. You told me that when Solo came out, you said they they did something that if you haven't seen Clone Wars, isn't going to make sense. And then when I watched it, I was like, I gasped. And then I was like, wait, what? And I'm trying to do the math of when all this happened. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. And then I text you and I'm like, what? And you're like, oh, yeah, no, he apparently survives being cut in half. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, because yeah. that's. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyway. 
Uh, hey, if Palpatine can survive being thrown down an elevator shaft, exploding, and then having that shaft explode, and then surviving 30 years later, then I'm pretty sure Darth Maul can survive just being cut in half. So wait, he... You know what? I don't want to get into it. Cause I, he, <laughs> he did survive. I always thought it was just like, it was a different... Okay, you know what? Let's just not oh, get okay, into okay, it. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can't. Um, um, so in a desperate attempt to finally get Leia to like reveal the plans, like, hey, we're going to blow up your home planet if you don't tell us what's up. It's like, you guys are buffing. It's like, try me. Oh, um, this is the scene, I have to mention, this is the scene where Leia speaks with an English accent or a British accent, and it never comes back, and it was never there before. It's like yeah. she's trying to sound regal, but she's sounding British. It was not there before, and it will never be there again. And I'm wondering if, was this a directorial decision? Was this a personal? Was this a, like, this was the first scene that they shot, and maybe she tried it out in a in one of the takes and then that's just the one they use. I'm always so curious on because it's, it's she's read the script. She knows that that's not the first scene. Like even uh, Mark Hamill. Yeah, sorry. After the trash, after the, the trash shoot scene, he even points out that the, like one of the scenes after his hair is completely dry and he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why would my <laughs> hair be dry? It should be gross and wet. And, you know, so I don't know. I always just thought that was funny because I remember when my sister and I noticed that we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> She's just yeah, like, no, it'll that, slip through that, your that, fingers. And I'm like, what? There, there were a couple inconsistencies with the movie, but they're so far and few in between that they don't necessarily like no, 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 yeah. disrupt the movie. But yeah, it, it is a little weird. And also a, a, a fun little like behind the scenes thing is that um, a lot of the scenes with Peter Cushing's, um, he was given these, like, he was given a full costume, including, like, these really, like, uh, cool-looking, like, leather boots that would, like, you know, completely uniform. But a lot of the scenes um, where it was just kind of, like, his upper torso or just, like, close-up, like, headshots of him, he would just wear, like, his, like, normal, like, loafers and just wear those on set for these scenes. And that was one of the scenes where he says, like, oh, yeah, I just wore that a lot during that scene. So he's not even wearing his full costume during that scene, except you never see it, so you can never tell. I've seen pictures in movies like that where the camera is just, like, above their legs, so they're just wearing yeah. completely different shoes. Than what yeah. they were just wearing. <laughs> I always find funny. And at first I'm probably like, what? It's like a double take. They're like, oh, well, the camera, you don't see your feet. They're feet. So it's not an inconsistency. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. It's it just it's just kind of like a funny, like, behind the scenes, like, extras. Like, oh, yeah, he's not wearing his, like, his boots. I'm just picturing Grand Marv Tark- Tarkin in that scene just wearing, like, normal, like, loafers. Yeah. <laughs> just, being, like, just being super casual yeah. as he's, like, is like it's like oh yeah let's commit genocide boys let's blow up this planet it's, and it's they casual do. <laughs> it's casual it's casual friday um, yeah casual genocide friday <laughs> casual genocide friday oh my god um yeah i mean for the empire it kind of was casual the amount of like mass like genocides on like multiple like races and planets is a lot more than people think mm-hmm. so yeah the uh and yeah alderaan's destroyed and Sure, she gives up and says the base is on Dautuin. They destroy the base. They destroy her planet anyway. Only later to find out it was not on Dautuin. She, she ne- which I'm like, yay! She didn't give it up for no reason. That's good for you. Yeah, um, I know. But it was just like, also, it's like, 
wait, she was like, she didn't realize that they were going to blow up the planet anyway, but it's like, she bet that they believed her enough to not blow it up. It's like, she, she gambled the lives of billions of people. But just, yeah, like, it's like, that is a ballsy move. Cause she had no idea whether or not that they were going to like, like, cause uh, yeah. she knew that they would eventually find out. It's like, okay, they know you were lying now. So what's stopping them from blowing up your planet anyway? It's like, she she was I mean I understand she was caught in like a lose lose situation. She could either watch her like everyone she ever knew die right in front of her, or give up like the one chance that they have of stopping these people. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the fact that she chose to not tell them, knowing full well the repercussions. That is a ballsy move. Oh yeah, absolutely, um, and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is. Um, so 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 back to Tatooine. Um R2 has run away. Um Or so wait, wait, Luke, wait, 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 sorry, we skipped. Yeah. He gets yeah. <laughs> uh, Luke sees the message or part of the message, the help me Obi-Wan. Help me Obi-Wan. <laughs> and he this is when he says like this is the first little indicator like that he kinda has a crush on not really a crush on her, he's just she's a good looking woman and he not really a lot of that going on in Tatooine. True. So did did George Lucas, because I was thinking a lot about this during this scene, or especially this next couple of this next couple of scenes, did George Lucas think ahead, even if he didn't know if there was going to be a sequel? Did he think ahead? I, I don't think that the 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 relations of um, Luke and Leia being siblings. No, no, no. Was, I don't. I don't mean that. Like, I, oh. I mean, so when he goes, he goes to like dinner, has dinner with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. So Uncle Owen saying like, because he's saying, oh, the the uh, there's a hologram. It's a message for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Do you know who that is? And he's like, uh, no, no. I But he he's he's dead. He he worked with your he worked with your father and stuff like that. And and uh, and then later when he meets Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan says like, oh, yeah, your uncle didn't share their same beliefs as your dad. He thought he should stay put. And I'm like, well. Because we know now, like, he didn't even... Owen is his stepbrother. His mother remarried after Anakin left. And he never... He barely knew Anakin. Anakin was already a Padawan when they met. Yeah, but... And I'm just... I mean, I don't... We do do learn that, like, during, like, the Clone Wars, a lot of people did not have, like, faith in the Jedi because they were leading a war rather than... for the most part, neglecting their duties of maintaining order in the galaxy. So places like Tatooine, which is pretty much just like run by the Hutt, so like a gangsters, it would make sense for them to not believe in the Jedi and not respect their values or their ideals since they ultimately abandoned them to try to lead a war. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I wasn't, so that, I that mean, does make sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, of, yeah. Um, okay, because it was making it sound like it was like a it was a cause like friction between them when in reality that it, it couldn't have like they didn't know each other yeah but okay anyway uh so yeah this is when this is yeah and this is after shortly after this is when we get binary sunset and it's just such this is just such a the cinematography is gorgeous the music is amazing i love this scene so much this is probably my favorite scene in the movie you'll you'll find as we do these lots of <laughs> there are a lot of movies where my favorite scene is because it's, the music is so good right there 
I, I absolutely love this scene too. Just the the music swells as he's just looking at the sunset and he's just perched up on like this the ledge of the it's, his home. I want a poster just, of that. I want a picture of that like for my yeah, house. Like, it, <laughs> it's, it's, just that just that frame. Yes. Um oh it it's so iconic and the music is it's so perfect for that scene of just like he wants to you know he wants more out of life and he's thirsty for adventure and this is just mm-hmm. kind of like a very like somber song to kind of to lead you into that like there's there's more for him mm-hmm. we, he just has to be patient it's um, and because yeah, yeah so he yeah he wants to join the academy he, he's a pilot all of his friends are pilots everybody's left yeah. and uncle owen's yeah. like no we need you Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I just want to point out the academy that he's talking about. That's an imperial academy. He originally wanted to be an imperial pilot along with his friends. He just didn't realize that his friends became defectors for the rebellion. I mean, he he had no love for the empire, but he wanted to be a pilot, and he knew that that was the only way to do that. So Luke was originally going to be an imperial if he, his uncle allowed him to join early. Wait, but then when he meets, so okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself, but he. Uh, he goes back, C-3PO is said that R2 left. They can't go and look for him now. It's too dark and with all the sand people. So the next morning, they, they go and they, find him. They track him. him down and find him, and they get attacked by Tuscan, Tuscan Raiders. Raiders who just beat the crap out of Luke. They knock him out and start scavenging his entire um, speeder, and he gets saved by a, a screeching hooded figure that R2 seems to recognize as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Are we supposed to, so is uh, R2 and NC3PO both have been, I mean, their memories had to have been wiped. Actually, yeah, R2 doesn't recognize him, but they, yeah, their memories have been wiped. And even Obi-Wan doesn't seem to recognize R2 or even 3PO, even though like- And I understand like, like I, the Clone Wars, he probably hadn't thought too much about all of that. Like, I understand a lot of these details, but I even like, within the next couple of movies, it's kind of, it seems like George Lucas didn't, I just only find this, I just find this odd because that's not really how I would do it. Like, I think I always am thinking of thinking ahead and how, even if, even if it doesn't go anywhere, what is the next step for these characters? What happens next? Is this, is, is a, cause yeah, a performance, even if it wasn't directly stated, if, if like George Lucas has said to Alec Guinness, who, yeah, Alec Guinness, the, Incredible Alec Guinness is Obi-Wan Kenobi. He, if he said to him like, oh, yeah, you know, you know this droid. You're pretty familiar with this droid. Like, that would affect, that would have changed his performance a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I mean, Um, you know, or that would have been a fun fact, at least. Yeah. I I absolutely love Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan. He's he's one of my favorite actors in this entire trilogy. Um, he, He just does it in such a way that, like, he he's been he he's a war veteran and he, mm-hmm. he portrays himself and carries himself as that and he he's very like comfortable in like dangerous situations because you know, later I mean, he's on a Jedi, he like, that's like, all he knows that's all he knows yeah but he yeah he's like like he, he like they like come across like they're like like here let me take you home and he like gives him he gives him uh Luke his father's lightsabers like hey it's like wait my dad wasn't a a Jedi. He he didn't fight in the Clone Wars. He was a he was a pilot that ran Spice. Which, by the way, that has like some weird implications because Spice is like are used to make drugs. Like See, our, it's like our narcotic. 
an narcotic. In Rise of Skywalker, when Poe says that he was a spice runner, and I'm like, what's this? I had no idea. I'm like, what's a spice runner? What? How am I supposed to know what that is? And people are like, oh, it's like it's like a drug, it's like a drug mule kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, there was never any. I was like, why would I know what that is? I I but also sorry, really quick right here or. Uh, he when he says my dad's not a jedi he wasn't a jedi how common a word is jedi is it just the force that not everybody is aware of well i mean jedi was like a very common thing okay. especially like during the clone wars but since like order 66 and the purge like he kind of put everyone's like by that point the public kind of just didn't trust the jedi anymore in terms of like doing their jobs of like maintaining order in the galaxy because they managed to allow all of this bad shit to happen and then palpatine twisted the events of uh mace windu and Mm -hmm. the other jedi arresting him as an assassination attempt he made it seem like the jedi were using the war as a means to take power he basically blamed the entire war on the jedi and thus turned the entire public against the jedi making their Uh, ultimate purge a lot easier so it makes sense for not that many people to be as familiar with jedi or even really know about the force because even during the republic uh uh, most of like the entire information that the jedi had in their library that was not common knowledge like they didn't share a lot of their knowledge with the public it's just like as soon as they had that knowledge it was kept in like their holocrons and in their vaults and was only accessible to Jedi or friends of the Jedi. It was very much a need to know basis that they did not feel like the public needed to know. People didn't even know the difference between Jedi or Sith. So whenever a rogue Jedi would go around like, Hey, some one of your Jedi friends just killed my buddies. Like that wasn't a Jedi. That was a Sith. I don't know what that is. He had a glowing stick just like yours. So you're, you're all bad in my book. It just see, it just was, um, because when he said a Jedi, and the thing is, that it was just these tiny details that I was starting to realize I was wondering, I was questioning George Lucas as a writer. Because, I mean, as an audience, Jedi is not a word. We don't, nobody does, I mean, is it? I don't think anyone had ever really heard of what a Jedi was until Star Wars. And so there were a lot, I was like, and I was literally, I was wondering, I was like, I never really thought, I think I had thought about this like a little bit and I don't, but I didn't really analyze it to that, to what I am now. But when he says like, your father was a Jedi and knew the ways of the force. And I'm like, wouldn't he be more like, what? A Je- what? No, he wasn't yeah, a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Questioning or, and I'm like, oh, was it a Jedi? Like he just didn't seem to the, I didn't know how common of a word jedi was and then but then he said what's the force i'm like okay that i believe what's the force that makes that makes more sense um but as as well as the thing about the force i i will say because in the prequels they try to rationalize it that no not everyone can is force sensitive to the force or has the abilities of using the force which i appreciated even though it was kind of stupid, <laughs> but I appreciated it because yeah, it, it does. Cause it does kind of come off like, so what anyone can use the force? Like it. Um, and I mean, they, because they can't, they not, can't. Yes. And no, y- yes. And no. Um, because they can't technically. Okay. Yeah. No. In, in the original trilogy, they made it seem like it was 
more of a, a belief and a feeling that one had to be more attuned or have some kind of like natural connection to. And I was wondering um, with that's, and I was thinking that, and if that's the case, why wasn't, wouldn't it have been like, I was, I was kind of thinking, wouldn't it have been interesting if there was like a scene, like in Harry Potter, for example, his entire life, he, something's off. He, things disappear or things he, there's like a, like a scene in the book where he, prior to the zoo, it's like mentioned, like it happened in the past where he's being like bullied and then he somehow ends up on the roof of his school and he has no <laughs> idea or his aunt gave him a horrible haircut and then the next morning it grew it all grew back like it's just these things that all these little indicators that make sense oh he has the gift of magic so i was kind of curious yeah. like wouldn't that have made sense if he had like these little indicators of he's sensitive to the force but then again what what would those indicators be like for leia it makes a ton of sense why she would never even after she knew she was sensitive to the force it made sense why she would have never had a need for it because she was trained like she knew how to fight luke on the other hand doesn't yeah yeah luke he had no prior like military or combat experience the only thing that he was like very like adept adept at was uh piloting which later on he kind of figured out that he was only good at that because he was attuned to the force um so he was able to like predict like when like uh, uh an obstacle would be so he would be able to maneuver around that faster than a pilot would who didn't uh have mm-hmm. like attunement to the force um which kind of made him a little bit more of a natural in terms of focusing that energy that made him easier to train for obi-wan and eventually yoda um right but moving on they they he tells them all about the force and is like yeah like this is something that you know, you would actually be really good at, and I'd be willing to train you. Um, but it's like, no, I, I have to, I have to get back. It's like, no, you, you probably shouldn't do that. Like, if the Empire are looking for these droids, then, like, it, it it's probably not going to be safe. And they come across the the Jawas that sold uh, R two and three PO, and they're all dead. And Luke checks on Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, and they're dead. And it's, I, it's um, not even just their yeah. bodies; it's just their charred skeletons it's just like yeah they're the only they're the only they're the only ones in the entire movies that have ever been disintegrated which makes uh, the popular fan theory is that boba fett killed them because uh in empire strikes back when darth vader is talking to all the bounty hunters on on his ship and he's like i want them alive and he uh, directly points at Boba Fett. No disintegrations. Like he's scolding a child oh, because he has apparently oh, done this man. before. So, yeah. so there's a popular theory that since Boba, Fett, we see Boba Fett later on in the movie is on Tatooine at the same time as all these events are happening. That Boba Fett was hired by the Empire to track, help them track down these uh, droids, and did this disintegration job for them. But I guess so. Before this. When, you know, you had said that uh, he was going to join the an Imperial Academy, he says to yeah. Obi-Wan, it's not that I like the Empire, I hate it. He, so I'm, I'm confused. Why, if he hates it, is it he's going to join just to become a pilot and then defect? Yeah, he, he, he basically just wants, he just wants to be a pilot. He wants to fly. He basically kind of like the same thing as like Solo and you know, yeah. like the, the solo story of just like, oh, I just want to fly and just like, you know, be free because it at this point, 
he has absolutely nothing going for him. All of his friends have gone. Um, he later learns that a lot of his friends defected, but he he wants to be involved. And later on, he does learn about the rebellion, and he wants to to be a part of that. But because um, he just says he hates the empire, it, it, he doesn't really. Yeah, he's kind of a little. I mean, in the beginning, it makes sense where uh, he's a little naive, but he he says he doesn't. He doesn't like. He's like, it's not that I don't like the empire. I hate the empire. Like. And even when he meets uh, C-3PO and R2, he's like, do you guys know about the rebellion? You know about the Empire? You know about the rebellion? Like, he does, I mean, he knows enough of like, oh, this is what is happening. Obviously, he doesn't know the yeah. details that he's full. To. Yeah, the full extent yeah. of everything. But, um, um, so when he and, so he says, and Obi-Wan says, you gotta come with me to Alderaan. He says, no, I can't. We then, yeah, we cut to a scene of, because I think this is around the time when they blow up uh, Alderaan but they General Tarkin they say like let's go you know he they say like let's set course for Alderaan we then cut back to a scene of uh this is yeah Obi-Wan and Luke and R2 and C-3PO they're all like in like yeah like the massacre of Jawas and I always was wondering I'm like I'm assuming they're on he's Luke is giving him a ride he said I can give you a ride as far as Moss Eisley must, yeah, he said I can give you a uh, give you a ride, but he just isn't going to be going with him. So I'm assuming they were on their way and they saw this and stopped and got yeah, out. Yeah, they 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 did. But- it just kind of bothered me that it just kind of was in the middle of it. It's like why didn't it seemed very it kind of seemed a little bit random. And then I'm like, okay, well they were probably on their way and yeah, stopped. they they did. I had enough information to put together that they were on their way somewhere else, but I I just didn't like that. It just it cuts to them in the middle of like all these jaw was like, what happened here when I don't know if they were, had been driving by or even if Obi-Wan had like, I sensed like he sensed a planet blowing up. Like if he had sensed yeah. like there was something going on nearby, like any, anything like that's, that's just, that's my own. I mean, I know there was enough information. I wasn't confused. I was just like, I thought it was kind of weird that there wasn't a, a little indicator on why they were there. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, he lives on Tatooine where like death and murder is kind of normal. So it would make sense for him to not immediately sense all these Jawas being killed. Cause like he, I mean, he lives yeah, on a planet okay. where like there are desert raiders and gangsters that kill each other all the time. So it would make sense that he just like, I don't sense these specific Jawas being killed. Not that I mean, far from yeah, me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. That's just it was just a, it like give us something kind of thing. Yeah, but okay. Um. Uh, so yeah, it it then cuts to was like okay, like I I want to be I, I'll go with you to Alderaan. I want to be trained trained in the ways of the Jedi. So they go to Mos Eisley, and we are introduced to the best theme, <laughs> the most iconic theme of. Dun, 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 dun. It's just. Like everyone, everyone knows this, and we're introduced to Han Solo and Chewbacca, and they're like very cocky and full of themselves to the point where it's like, okay, this is kind of annoying and braggy, but it 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 yeah. works for them. Like they're very full of themselves because That's Han Solo, yeah, like they're they're very yeah. confident in their abilities because they know that they can do it. Like everything that they, they say that they can do they have done it and they can do it. It's like, all right, you're hired. Yeah. There was a uh, Rolling Stone did a issue of like the top, I think it was top 50, 
D, favorite Star Wars characters, and Han Solo was number one. <laughs> like nice. Han Solo was one, Darth Vader was two. I think Leia was five and Luke was six. Okay. But the fact that just Dar- Han Solo, number one. <laughs> just, no, no debate. Like, and yeah, this is when the we meet Greedo. And apparently, so Han owes Jabba a bunch of money. And he sends, he's, he's sending bounty hunters after him. And so there's that whole controversy. Yeah. Greedo shot first, Han shot first. I feel like it's irrelevant. So there, there are about like three different edits of this scene. And for some reason, there's a new edit that is a uh, Disney plus exclusive. So originally Han shot first and killed Greedo before he shot. And then the remastered one or this remastered like special edition, whatever have you. Um, Greedo shot first and Han dipped his head like really fast in an unnatural way so that Greedo missed and then Han shot. And then in the most recent one in the Disney Plus, right before any of that happens, Greedo yells McClunky. He shoots, Han does the weird head dodge, and then Han shoots him. And it makes no sense. I've never really, yeah, the Disney Plus version, I was just like, I was like watching closely and yeah, Greedo shoots first and I'm, I feel like I, I don't really see what the difference makes. It's because it's one, one self-defense and one's, I mean, I don't know, when do we say it's murder? He's, it's, first of all, they're on Tatooine. Second, they're being, he's about to be taken away. It's, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't really change the character. I feel like it's, it doesn't really, who cares? I mean, I know yeah, people no, care. It's just, but it's just like, kind of funny I, I because really um, it's the <laughs> it's just the unnatural like head dodge that that Han Solo does. That's the unsettling and the weird part <laughs> for me is like why why would you do that? That does not look natural yeah. or comfortable or even practical in any way. So why don't you just stick with the normal just him shooting first? I just I don't understand why the need for all the unnecessary edits uh, for that specific scene. Greedo's dead. He then just basically gives the bartender some money and leaves. And that's it. (laughs) And uh, this is, and then Jabba is outside of Millennium Falcon, like solo, solo. (laughs) And this is when he basically says, Hey, first of all, don't send people after me. If you want to talk to me, you talk to me. And I just got a job. I'll I'll pay you back. I'll pay you a little extra. And he's not intimidated by Jabba. No, or if he is, all. he hi- he hides it. Yeah, because he doesn't. <laughs> but he like he says like I'll pay you back a little extra. And Jabba's like twenty percent. And he's like no fifty. Don't push it. And he's like okay yeah. fifty. Like and, and then he like walks behind Jabba, steps on his tail and around. Yeah. And like just, it's like. Dude, it's it, it, Jabba's just like ah for a second. <laughs> I know, it's just like the fact that he's able to get away with that. Like he, this is basically like the equivalent of like stepping on like the Godfather's foot to like. Yeah. It, it's just like it's like okay, he's surrounded by like a bunch of like bounty hunters. One of them being Boba Fett and like armed like personal guards that like are there to make sure like nothing happens to him. And yet that power move happens. It's like, damn. And then we're seeing Luke and Luke's trying to sell his uh, speed, speed. What's it called? Like it's his speedster. His like, his like his, his car. His, his, his speeder. 
speeder. I don't know why I thought speedster. It's speeder. speedster. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. I don't know what that's from. It's speeder, and someone's someone's watching them. And Luke and Obi Wan arrive at the Millennium Falcon, and Luke's, you know, the famous "What a piece of junk!" Which <laughs> why is it? And then they make that same reference in a Force in Force Awakens. Like we're not going to go down that. That's a piece of junk. Like. Why is it considered yeah. a piece of junk? Because it does seem, if anything, it's proven to be, other than, yes, it does break down, or in I Empire mean, it's breaking down a lot, but why is it considered a piece of junk? I mean, it's basically like the Star Wars equ- equivalent of like a semi-truck. It, it's just a big, giant, big rig truck. Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really have like any noticeable um, special capabilities. It, it's just, the way he's talking about it is like, oh yeah, this thing's like a Ferrari when in actuality yeah. it's like a, a really shitty pickup truck <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. That, that's yeah it, it's it's primarily a transport ship that just has like is just a little bit beefed up to be a bit more like combat oriented and that's it um okay. so yeah it, it just <laughs> it doesn't really look impressive but it's like all under the hood yeah okay all right uh, I was just always wondering because I never got the big deal. It's like, I mean, he has a ship, you don't. Like, <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, they, and I gotta say, the special effects. Um, uh, I feel like if anything, the thing I don't know if this is again, this is just the Disney Plus version. I want to reach out because I watched that because then I didn't have to go hunting down for mine, but. I want to check out the like Blu-ray version or DVD version I have because the Disney Plus <laughs> version, I was noticing a lot of these. The special effects still seem to hold up. Like it still looks fine. I've seen shittier special effects in more recent movies than how Star Wars how Star Wars looks now. But if anything, I was yeah. noticing these weird cuts. Like when Luke first holds the uh, lightsaber. And it turns it on. There's just this weird cut. I think his head moved or something. And so it just very obviously looks like they just, you know, it, it makes it obvious. Well, yeah. It, it, well, yeah. In, in the in the scene in the Millennium Falcon when he's like practicing with the training droids. Yeah, it does the same um, thing. Yeah, no, it, it's the way that they it was originally filmed was he was given a like an actual like tube connected to the um lightsaber hilt like the actual handle yeah um and they just added in post the like actual like glowing blade later and then they would have to cut from there and then just impose uh then reshoot that scene uh with him without like the lightsaber blade mm-hmm. to make it look like he just deactivated it and there's just all the slightest a bit of like him moving between those two shots and that's what you're seeing yeah did you ever see so Ewan McGregor he was talking about how because the lightsabers don't have hilts so sometimes like you know you'll be you'll be there they'll be fighting and it'll just like slide down and like someone you know whoever they're fighting will hit them on the knuckles <laughs> and it would hurt so yeah. bad or sometimes you have a really good like a really good uh, hit and it would bend the pipe and so there was literally like he said there was literally a guy on set whose job was just to 
constantly move around, had straight- a car and straighten out lightsabers, <laughs> which what yeah, a job. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was really funny. I, I do remember um, on um, in a lot of the prequel movies, at least, the amount of broken and damaged prop lightsabers that they went through, especially in episode two. Yeah. They went through so many lightsabers that they had to have like a full team just repairing a lot of the prop lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but back to this one, they get away from the Empire uh, chasing them off of Tatooine because some spies like, hey, I'm pretty sure those are the droids you're looking for. So they track them on the ship and they escape. And this is where Obi-Wan feels the, oh, there's the, I feel a disturbance yeah. of the Force. And when they exit light speed, they, it's like, oh, we're in an asteroid field. Like, this, this isn't, like, you must have put in the wrong coordinates. I'm telling you, this is where Alderaan's supposed to be, not this asteroid field. Yeah. And that's them discovering the uh, the Death Stars. Like, oh, uh, hold on. Maybe we, we can camp out at that moon real quick yeah. so we can kind of get our bearings. It's like, that's no moon. It's a, it's a space, space station. station. <laughs> Just that line is so good. Mm-hmm. So they get pulled in through the tractor beam. And so I thought it was funny. Uh I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm spacing on what part to talk about first. <laughs> when, <laughs> Space. <laughs> when uh, Darth Vader, when the ship lands and they say like, there's no one inside, we think maybe it's like a decoy or whatever. And Darth Vader's like, no, I felt something that I haven't felt, not since. And then he just turns away. And I was just like thinking, do you think this guy's just like, good talk? You know, or... Or, yeah. <laughs> or sure, just leave in the middle of a sentence. Like, yeah, he, he he just starts the sentence and is like, I haven't felt this presence since, and just walks away. It's like the stormtrooper reserves. Like, I okay, is he, gonna, is he coming yeah. back? Like my, <laughs> is he coming back to my, finish that? It's like my sister said she wants her final words to be, "It's buried near the." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and then I would have to be like, "No, no, she's just fucking with you guys." Like. And then, uh, you know, so anyway, and we're seeing stormtroopers or they're on the Millennium Falcon. They're looking for there. No, no one's there. And I thought it was funny. So Han and Luke poke their heads out and then Obi-Wan pokes his head out. They're each in a different. They're both like right next to each other, but in a different little like hiding spot. And then Chewie pops out of. And for a second, I forgot that Chewie was with them. And I'm like, because I thought Chewie was with. uh obi-wan for a second i'm like that's weird why wouldn't luke and obi-wan decide together and then i realized wait at luke and han and and chewie all hid in the same compartment and obi-wan just got his own like no he's with uh r2 and 3 okay well they didn't pop their heads out so well yeah because they can't they can barely okay, move. okay fine fine <laughs> and also r2 is like three feet <laughs> okay fair enough but it just seemed very like <laughs> like the organization okay who's going with who like 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 when you're about to get on a roller coaster with more than one person i think you're, I think you're putting a little way too much thought into this i am i definitely one am spe- I definitely it's like am. This, this is not what you should be focusing on <laughs> the, their orientation of their hiding spot <laughs> i want to hide in that one so they <laughs> they uh and then like you know their people are like oh like where are the we're not hearing any of the stormtroopers. Stormtroopers come out, and it's oh, it's just a bad uh, inner. What what did they say? It was like the not intercom. That wasn't the word, but transmission between like the helmets. Yeah. And this is when Chewie attacks them, and they're in the control room. And Obi Wan is basically just says, "You guys 
you guys stay here. I'm going to go deal with the tractor beam. He knows yeah. he's not getting off the station. He's he, he senses that this may be like the end of the road for him. Um, but while they're in the, uh, the control room, they find out that like R2 like tracks taps into like the, their systems and is like, Hey, the princess from like my like message, she's here. And yeah. like Luke's like, Oh, we got to save her. And he has to convince, uh, Luke, uh, uh, he has to convince Han and Chewie is like, Hey, like, why don't you guys help? It's like, no, she, the, the old man told us to stay here. I'm not risking my life to save some, some spoiled princess. Like, but she's rich. It's like, I love this scene mm, because it's very, I'm tempted. <laughs> it's such a clear, we already have already, their, their characters are already well established, but it's just such a good, like a contrast because Luke. So first of all, Luke in the beginning, especially, I mean, his, he's always wants to do the right thing. He wants to do good. Uh, he now has a chance to, he had the chance to leave his home. He's going to take it and he's going to, you know, whereas Han, you know, only looks out for himself and he said he didn't want to wait around for Obi-Wan to come back. And then when they find out that the prince is there, he's like, I'm not going. He said to wait here. And then Luke points out to him, like, you just said you wanted to leave. You you just said that you don't want to wait around. <laughs> but he, Luke in the beginning is definitely trying to be the hero. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like Poe Dameron who tries way too hard to be like a heroic Han Solo. And it's like, just stop just stop you're just embarrassing yourself but luke is trying very hard because he just wants to eat but in his head it's more of yeah he wants to be the hero but he's not trying to put himself into a dangerous situation he's looking at it as yeah. oh this is the right thing to do it is a dangerous yeah situation. He, he he's definitely like the like the lawful good character mm-hmm. and han is like the the neutral good character and Chewie's just kind of like along for the ride, yeah. kind of following the lead yeah. of like Han. It's like, well, if my idiot friend's gonna like put himself <laughs> in harm's way, I better, I better make sure he doesn't die. Although Han is the idiot friend in Chewie's I head. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not wrong in that, right? I feel like that's accurate. Um, just um, yeah. Like he's definitely like the ringleader that like gets them in trouble. It's like. I, I gotta make sure he doesn't try like try to like pick a fight in someone he can't fight against. Just like he he's just there as like the muscle backup. Yeah, he, he's basically he's basically like the in like the first movie. I feel like the dynamic between like Han and Chewie is like the same dynamic as Rocket and Groot in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes! Oh my god. Yes. He's like, like he's just there to like fight whoever Han isn't strong enough to actually like fight off. We are Chewie. Um, so I, I am Chewie. So they have this idea; they're gonna put Chewie in handcuffs, and Luke's just like, "I'll just put these on you." And Louis and Louis and Chewie's just like, "Yeah, uh, no, no, Louis is Chewie's cousin." <laughs> I I blended together Luke and Chewie. <laughs> yeah, Louis. All right, we're losing her. All right, so they, they disguise themselves as stormtroopers and they take Chewbacca to the detention level and like handcuff him. It's like, all right, let's let's try to let's let's hope this works. And they get there and it's like, oh, where are you taking this thing? It's like, oh, there's a cell transfer. It's like, um, I'm not aware of this. We'll process it here. And um, 
and that's when shit hits the fan of Chewbacca like breaking out like and like Luke and Han are like oh he broke loose what do we do shoot (laughs) and they're they're just firing wildly at everything um trying to keep up the ruse as much as possible and shooting all the cameras and uh the remaining uh stormtroopers that uh Chewie just didn't just mangle (laughs) and I love this scene because it's so uh Han or, or Harrison Ford specifically didn't want to he, he didn't have any dialogue he had he wanted to improvise the whole thing just so it would come off a little more natural and he's saying like oh uh, uh you know weapons malfunction but we're all we're all into the intercom uh we're all we're all fine here uh how are you <laughs> like and they're like yeah. you know and obviously he can't really keep this jig up so then Luke has to hurry he finds he finds Leia and it's just the first line, fair enough. She thinks he is a stormtrooper. She's like, "Are you a little short to be a stormtrooper?" That's like, and he's uh, like, you're "What?" Welcome. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> oh, the cot. Oh, the helmet. It's like you forgot. Oh, the you uniform. Know? Yeah. And it's like, "I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm. I came here with Obi Wan Kenobi, or Ben Kenobi." They break out, and this is I. This I just love this whole scene because there's they're under attack. Uh, Han and Luke are shooting, and Leia like you guys just blocked her only way out so she grabs the gun shoots into well i mean she didn't know where she was shooting but just broke into the wall and shot into the yeah i, I mean it was just like this is like really the only place to go yeah. like third tunnel like it's a hallway that is a dead end so it's like well this is some rescue it's like time for me to rescue myself because you guys are incapable of doing it and they all they all dive in and <laughs> And Han's just having to basically kick Chewie in. He's like, get in there. I don't care what you smell. Let's get in there. And <laughs> and they dive into the trash chute. And they're like, it's not going to take them long to figure out what happened to us. And that's what I didn't understand. I'm like, how stupid are the stormtroopers? Like, they're, they, they could literally just walk down the hall. Yeah, and they'll see, oh, hey, they're in here. What are they going to be like? Well, they disappeared. How? It's like, just walk like 10 feet. You'll, you'll figure out. There's a hole in your wall. There, there, there's like a common theory that um, that I feel like has been like mildly confirmed okay. of um, the stormtroopers were purposely missing their shots against Luke Han, like the entire gang, so that way they can escape. Because it's later revealed that uh, Vader and Tarkin put a tracking device on the Millennium Falcon that, and they tracked them all the way to Yavin Four uh, after they escaped, so they can destroy oh. the entire rebellion with the death star so that's why because if they don't if they can't get out get out of there alive then they can't find the rebellion the rest of the rebellion yeah oh, okay, because okay because leia is like their only major connection to she's, finding where the the rebel base she's is their um, only because they, they have they have no idea uh, i don't get it <laughs> um <laughs> um so so they're stuck in like the this trash compactor and luke gets dragged down by some unseen like trash monster that has like this like extending eyeball and tentacle and this has bothered me for like the longest time because we never actually see it see part of it's it, never yeah. referenced again and yeah this this is a, a thing that is as far as i know has never fully been explained as to what this thing is how this thing got there or anything of that nature like i don't even know what this thing is called other than the garbage monster um (laughs) yeah 
which I don't even think that's its official name. I, I, I don't know if this thing has ever popped up anywhere else in Star Wars in any type of capacity, whether that's games, comics, extended lore. I know nothing about this thing. And that's like one thing. It's like, wait, there's something about Star Wars that they don't explain. And that's like, no, this needs an explanation. This needs a full movie, damn it. I mean, it needs yeah, the adventures of Trash Monster, a Star Wars story. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's just one of those things that's like, it doesn't, it's not like, it's not like it's super important to the story, but it's just what what is this thing? What is it? What does it do? Like I understand what it's doing because it's trying to eat Luke. Um, so yeah, but, uh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, because it never it never really comes back up again. It's just it wasn't that necessary. I feel like the only real reason that it's there, I mean, other than to cause more conflict, because now it's like something, it's tr- it's like choking and trying to kill Luke, pulls him under, and then he co- pops out and says like. I don't know. It just disappeared and it disappeared because it knew it was about to be compacted. So yeah, it wasn't that necessary other than they needed some indicator that that even knows what's what's about to happen next. So yeah, the trash starts to compact and I, I love this scene. I just especially love this scene when Luke finally gets a hold of C-3PO who forgets that he's holding the, his his communicator. communicator, Yeah. And he's like, Oh, Master like, Luke! Will you shut up and listen to me? <laughs> and then they end up getting out, and yeah, Leia is basically just like, "Okay, you know what? If you guys want to survive, follow me." <laughs> just like, and yeah, Han keeps calling her her worshipfulness. He, they do not. They're it's almost rom commy that they they're do gonna get fall in love. <laughs> like, yeah, um, but yeah, they they come across like a group of stormtroopers. They shoot a couple of them, and the stormtroopers like run away. And Han chases them like a <laughs> madman, like, screaming ah! at the top of his lungs. Yeah. It's like, and like Leia's just like, is he okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Chewie like follow, and of course Chewie follows after him. It's like, oh, I don't want my idiot friend to die. <laughs> and he runs into a robe that's just filled wall to wall with stormtroopers. Shoots a couple of them, runs away, and Chewbacca just sees at the end of the hallway and a bunch of lasers hitting the end of the wall. It's like. Oh god, am I too late? And Han runs away. It's like, Chewie, yeah. run! Oh my god. It's like the, the the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where it's like, Shock, start the plane! <laughs> start the plane, Shock! Yeah, exactly. And just all the natives are following him. So, uh, Harrison Ford, I was going to bring this up later, but Harrison Ford, was it he went on the record? He didn't, he didn't particularly like, was it he didn't like the playing this character? Or he didn't like making the movie? Or what was the... I can understand why he... I, I don't know... It because it, it seems like it's just been spec. Everybody knows it. And it's like, if it's simply that he just felt like he wanted his character to die in action, okay. But it, I everyone says this, and I feel like I've never really seen any indication of that being true. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I just keep seeing all these pictures of him, all of them in the original, like, smiling and laughing. And I, I can understand yeah. maybe he preferred Indiana Jones more. But I, I feel like he wanted his character to die because because I mean later on he he said like later on that after uh, Empire Strikes Back when he's frozen in carbonite he wanted that to be like the death of his yeah. character like he wanted that to be you know that he wanted that to be the end of Solo's story that would not have um, been a good ending for and him. I think like I- no it it really wouldn't have I'm and I'm glad that they 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 brought him back um, but. I think the reason why he wanted 
uh, his character to die so badly was Star Wars had become such a uh, cultural icon. Like it, it became such like a huge thing that anyone associated with it wouldn't really necessarily be recognized as anything else. And I felt like he was trying to escape Star Wars so that he could still make movies on his own time and on his own terms without just instantly being recognized as, Hey, Han Solo, that guy from star Wars, rather than like, Hey, I'm Harrison Ford. And I did all these other movies, not just star Wars. I I felt like he was trying to remove himself from star Wars so he could avoid being typecast as a Han Solo type character. But you know, and that, that's interesting because that us, that's how it starts off though. That's for a lot of, like, I remember, like, after Harry Potter, everyone was saying, they are all going to be typecasted forever. Like, they are only going to be seen as those characters forever. Like, Daniel Radcliffe has 100% shed Harry Potter. You know, like, it's, it's like a, it's a process. Yeah. It's more of, but, you know, he didn't really, he wasn't really well known at the time. Like, he was a, I think he, like, got discovered, it was, it was either by George Lucas or Spielberg. He was a carpenter for Francis Ford Coppola. At least that's what I read, which I think is <laughs> that's insane. Wow, I, did I think not that's know that. insane. I, I'll double check and see if that's true, but like that's insane. Like, uh, I that's an interesting, but yeah, but I mean, he now, yes, he's mostly known as Indiana Jones and Han Solo, but he has an insanely successful career that was triggered by Star Wars. Yeah. So, because yeah, because wasn't his first movie um, American Graffiti, which was also done by. Uh, George Lucas? Uh, I don't know. I remember he was in the movie The Conversation, which was, I think it was that Coppola. Uh, I'm, I'm looking it up. I just remember I thought it was really boring. <laughs> like we I had to watch it for class and I was not <laughs> gotcha. at all. Uh, oh yeah, that was that was directed by Coppola. Um, okay. But uh, that came out a couple years before Star Wars. So gotcha. Okay, I, I I do remember like that being like his like first big break was American Graffiti. So the really the reason I brought that up was just because I I can understand maybe yeah he wants to escape stardom like even Chris Evans right when uh but when he was being asked to take on a Captain America he was hesitant because of all the fame he knew he was going to yeah. get from it. So I can understand that side of it. But this seems like just so much fun. He's running around a space station shooting bad guys. <laughs> like, that has to be every, like, 12-year-old boy's dream. Like, you know, like, his inner 12-year-old. And he, he, so, he, it definitely I, does seem I, like yeah. he was having fun with it, especially just, like, him running down the hall. It's like, <laughs> just it's screaming yeah. his head Based off. Based on... <laughs> Based on what how he talks about it, I can see that he preferred Indiana Jones. Yeah, but it's I find it just very, I don't know. Like anyone, somebody comment or write to us like explaining because I've never really seen a ton of evidence to support that he completely hated everything about. I'm like, you can't convince I, me of that. I find it hard yeah, to believe. The, the, so yeah, the only please let us know if you know. Yeah, I mean, the only it. logical reasoning I can have behind it is, is what I said earlier of him just trying to escape being in a, a typecast role, uh, being associated with Star Wars. That's really the only thing I can think of that that makes um, the most sense. Yeah, and that does make sense. So yeah, getting back to uh, the action. Um, so Han and Han and Chewie are separated from Luke and Leia. They're they're being chased by stormtroopers, and they come across a 
they, they basically get stuck in an area where it's like, oh no, we we just destroyed the bridge controls trying to lock this door so the stormtroopers can't get us. So they have to use a grappling hook to cross this chasm. And I, I gotta say what I appreciate so much in this is that it was just very awkwardly, like, she's just barely holding <laughs> on for life. Like, it's a, it's more, it's what more uh, realistic. Yeah. Because that's hard. You're swinging and holding on. You're carrying a human. So I always just thought that was funny because it's not very, It's it looks, yeah, and, it's such a, and, you know, <laughs> swinging across a ravine. And, and also, and also holding, between the like, two, the and also between the two of them, they're also carrying like a, a fairly bulky, like blaster. They're, they're carrying a, a fairly mm-hmm. large gun between the two of them. So it's like, okay, how they, they have to maneuver that. So I, I kind of forgot uh, earlier on before, 3PO and R2D2 turn off the uh, the trash compactor. The stormtroopers like come into the control room. One of them hits their helmet on the door frame coming into it. Oh and, yeah! Um, later on, when George Lucas like did his like remaster collection, he included a sound bite of the the stormtrooper hitting his helmet and makes an audible like thunk. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. I always forget um, about that. <laughs> and that later part. on in um, episode two, when we see Django Fett leaving Camino and entering his ship, you see like the door closing as he's going in and him hitting his head on the door as he comes in. It's like, oh, so it's a genetic thing. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's like, oh, that must still be a surviving clone trooper. Man, that, that stormtrooper must be old. <laughs> so they all reconvene they're trying to get back on the ship and obi-wan by this point has turned off um the the tractor beam and the stormtroopers just don't even seem to like notice or care yeah like they're and uh they um this is when darth vader and obi-wan see each other and how i mean i'm i'm really curious i'm definitely curious about what they're gonna do for the obi-wan series because I'm I'm so curious. Are we supposed to assume I'm with the information we have right now? We're supposed to assume that they have not seen each other since Mustafar. Yeah, exactly. And since I was about to say, since he cut his legs off. Yeah. Um, um. The the only other, I guess, significant dark side user that, uh, as far as I know, that Obi Wan has come across is Darth Maul, and. Even then, it, it was also kind of weird because the fight between those two, because this takes place like within, I don't know, like a couple of years of each other. The fight between those two is a lot more, you know, fast and dynamic rather than this movie where they're just like, it's like clang, mm-hmm. clang. Like clang. it's just a very yeah. stat, like static uh, fight. Um, the choreography because- definitely changes throughout the yeah. series for sure yeah um the, the the spike was just very stagnant and I, I i feel like part of that is because like the suit is very bulky for the actor um who is wearing the suit for Darth vader who was oh yeah uh, What's... uh that's david uh prouse who was wearing the suit um and then was voiced by uh mufasa <laughs> yes <laughs> and um also al guinness who uh, was fairly old um, by the time this happened. And also a fun thing about Al Guinness is that instead of 
uh, being paid a commission for the movie. He wanted right. He he wanted rights for merchandising. He uh, did not want to do car- this movie and didn't even yeah, really he did pre- not- like it. He he want he was nominated for best supporting actor. He didn't win, but he was nominated, and he did not really. He thought his dialogue was ridiculous. I mean, if, yeah, it's all kind of ridiculous. It's just a completely yeah, new he- territory. But he, uh, <laughs> yeah, didn't want to do this, and George Lucas offered him three percent of the royalties and not having any clue i mean he would have gotten a little bit of money but he him and his family they're swimming yeah. in money like they're like duck mcscrooge or scrooge mcduck scrooge mcduck S- duck mcscrooge <laughs> <laughs> that's like, his name now forever scrooge mcduck they're just like swimming in money like i mean three percent for this i don't know million billion dollar franchise they're, that's yeah. a lot of money. Um, what a deal! Yeah, they're they are beyond well off, and yeah. So Darth Vader and Obi Wan are fighting, and this kind of distracts all the nearby stormtroopers that are guarding the Millennium Falcon. Like, hey, check this out! Our boss is fighting. <laughs> so they they go and um, like it's high school. Uh, a fight's breaking yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, like, fight! So they they all go and monitor that fight, and that gives everyone a chance to like run on. Uh, the Millennium Falcon and take off before Luke's like Obi Wan and Vader kills Obi Wan and no! Obi Wan just disappears. Yeah. O- Obi Wan just disappears. So- There's no body. It's just his robes and his his lightsaber fell. Oh, and oh. Luke's just like no, it just starts shooting everyone. <laughs> so Obi Wan says like, well, first of all, um, so Darth Vader was supposed to be his for his name, just his first and last name. And, you know, because Obi-Wan yeah. or Ben calls him Darth. Darth. And he says, but he says, you, if you strike me now, if you kill Stri- me now, I will be more powerful oh. than you can imagine. And, and then, you know, Luke's Ben and then he dies. And, but then we're hearing him go, run, Luke, run. And so they, they get on board and we're then, he seems a lot more distraught about uh obi-wan dying than his than aunt his aunt and uncle luke yeah yeah like a lot and he's only known he's only known him for like less than 24 hours and yeah yeah. it's just been like it's been like probably like what like two days by this point i always wonder Um, about the the time because it's it's he meets him in the morning he then his aunt and uncle die they leave they it's i i think it's still maybe one day Maybe there's not a huge, there's not really a timeline, but uh, they escape and then they're in space. It's hard. It's hard to track time in space. And then this is the TIE fighter scene. And this is a fun little scene. And I like the music in this part. Yeah. And yeah. And and, yeah, they, they fight to defeat the TIE fighters. And Leia was makes the points to Han saying that they let us go. That this was she. He's like because she thinks how this was easy, and he's like this wasn't easy. We talk about. She's like, there's no way they let us go. They're, they there's they're they're probably tracking us. And she he basically says like I'm only in it for the money. I don't really care what happens after this. And she says like fine, whatever. Leaves. And then it's kind of it's kind of this is when we get the little a piece of Luke says to him like, what do you what do you think of her? And he said not much. He what does he say? Han says like he. It's like it's like uh she's not my type but like, it looks like it's like he more or less just says like uh we wouldn't get along but 
I could probably make it happen Luke, if I wanted to. And then it's like, and then it's like, no, no, but Luke not. <laughs> says like, I don't know, not much. And Luke's like, good. And it's kind of an indicator, very clear indicator that Luke likes her. And then Han says like, what her and a guy like me. And he's like, no, I don't like, do you think, was there ever <laughs> Sh- shuts that down? Was immediately. he trying to set up for a, like a love triangle with them i i keep thinking that because not like in the first one there's more evidence than and you know yes that's when luke and leia kisses luke in the second one which she only does it to yeah. piss off han she's not interested in luke but uh and he you know and again he we don't think that he was necessarily planning on there being a sequel at the time but it seems like it was kind of like it was trying to lightly set it up for there to be a love triangle between the three of them. Yeah, I feel like he just didn't have it fleshed out in terms which, of... Which I appreciate um, because I would have been very yeah. rushed if Luke and like, like, like hypothetically, like even though we know what happens next, but hypothetically if Luke and Leia just got together. Oh, because you know the cliche, yeah. he saves the day, he gets the princess. Like I, that would have been too rushed and underdeveloped and weird. Because that's that's the cliche ending to this kind of story. Anyway, they they get to the rebel yeah. base, and they the plans of the Death Star. You shoot. You have to shoot. Go along this whole thing. Shoot this laser. It's no bigger than two meters, like a womp rat, and the whole station will explode. And Luke's reignited with all of his friends. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's Bigs, and then we're we're introduced to. Uh, Wedge and Tilly's which, and uh, uh, Porkins. Which one <laughs> is, so one of the pilots, I think it's in this one, one of the pilots is, uh, is it Dennis Lawson, who is Ewan McGregor's uncle, and you know, Ewan McGregor goes on to be Obi-Wan. Um, I think, I think that's Wedge and yeah. Tilly's. it's like. Who, who is in, like, all of the uh, original trilogy and then makes a brief cameo in um, Rise of Skywalker. Because I see it, I'm like, oh, it looks... I think it's I think it's you. Like, there's a couple that look kind of similar. But they all they all go out, yeah. and... I, I kind of love this scene, because... I, one of the, I mean, so in the beginning, they're, like, they're too small for them to shoot at, uh, the Imperials, and they... They're all kind of, you know, they're trying to figure out what's the best way. How are we going to get here? But there's a part where uh, somebody comes up to General Tarkin and says, should I get your prep your escape pod? And he's like, what? No. During our moment of victory? No. Like, and but you can kind of see. You underestimate their chances. (laughs) But even he's like, uh, you can see kind of nervous. Like he looks a little nervous. He's trying to hide it. But I don't think he's doing a good job because I can you can see it. And uh, I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. All of them. All the pilots just keep dying, and so then it's just up to Luke. And he finally, he keeps hearing uh, Ben saying, "Use the Force, use the yeah. Force." <laughs> and he even he even loses R two for yeah the end yeah R two R two gets shot. His best friend gets shot. Like his like uh, commanding officer gets shot. Like all of his like all the pilots are getting killed and by the end of this i think him wedge and like one other uh pilot survive this yeah and it's like and they and they go in with like i want to say like 30 pilots or something like that like like a, a fairly small but sizable force of pilots and bombers um 
and they like three three make it out. And I just I just I love this whole like well one of them he gets really close to shooting but it doesn't go it doesn't go in and then I just love this part yeah. because you know and then Han shows up and he's like all right kid you're clear let's go let's do this and let's go let's home this thing and go home yeah and the music's just like you know perfect right there and it and you know goes in and the whole station blows up I know a lot of people think it's really stupid that like for Rogue One the whole oh it was it was done this way on purpose so that somewhat so that there was a hope and there was a way for them to destroy it and i'm like i don't know i kind of like that idea yeah and and honestly rogue one was probably my favorite of the disney star wars movies that's come out i hmm, i went i actually liked solo a lot i can't stress this enough i went in expecting with the lowest of expectations i thought it was going to be a piece of shit i with based on everyone's reaction and i was pleasantly surprised uh, but I don't know. I, I don't, I probably, I don't want to, I like Solo a lot, but Rogue One, I liked Rogue One more the second time I watched it than the first time. I don't know why, but, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, Rogue One, I think I liked the, the climax and the, when they're actually finally, because that's when things start to, it sets it up right before the events of A New Hope. So it yeah, it, it, you know, it literally takes place like right before the opening scrawl. It initiates the timeline. Yeah. So that's what I thought. That's what I really love about Rogue One. Um, and anyway. Yeah. Uh, so cause right at the end here. So they, so Luke and Han and, oh uh, yeah, no, Chewie, Chewie should have, should have been awarded to. Uh, our, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I guess uh, he, he actually, didn't specifically do anything for, he helped out getting Leia back. He didn't really do anything yeah. for um, well, this particular destroying of the Death Star. Okay, but actually during this award ceremony, um, it's later revealed like in the extended universe that Wookiees mm-hmm. aren't really into like possessions of that so having a medal for him so yeah him receiving a medal really wouldn't have done anything for him because like he really doesn't have any practical use for it although later on they do have a private award ceremony where they do give him a medal so giving him a medal at the end of rise of skywalker makes no sense because he already got one in a private ceremony that all of his friends were there for that's nice yeah that's nice so yeah, he did receive it. So I, I, it's kind of stupid when people's like, "Oh, how come Chewie doesn't get an award?" He does. It's just in a much more private setting. He doesn't care about it though. <laughs> he only yeah, cares. He has, he, it's he, not like he's going like, "Oh, I loot," and Han's like, "I don't make the rules. I don't know why you're not getting a a medal." Like it doesn't. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't seem to care. Yeah, he only cares about getting the medal because his friends make such a big deal and such an intimate, like, ceremony. Like the only people there are. Luke, Han, Leia, and the droids. Like, those, like, I think, and maybe, like, a couple other, like, people from, like, some of the rebel leaders, but, like, for the most part, it's a very private personal ceremony, and that's really the only reason why Chewie even, like, uh, agreed to accept the award. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, and, yeah, they're, they're given medals, and that's the end. And I gotta say, it's, it's it's I think it's just it's weird because we obviously we get a sequel 
and another and another. You know, like we get like this whole, it just started this whole franchise and it didn't even, it didn't know what it was going to turn into. They thought it was just going to maybe be a, well, not even say they thought it was going to be a summer blockbuster. Blockbuster wasn't even a term then. That wasn't even a thing until this movie came out. Seriously. But I like think it's just, I think it's funny though that, because in reality, yeah, they destroyed the Death Star. They didn't really, you know, they just did this one thing that definitely helped the rebellion. It didn't really solve the whole crisis. It didn't end the Empire. It just, the Empire obviously still lives. Darth Vader was never defeated. Well, I mean, he's just yeah. spinning around into space, I guess. Yeah, like the, it's, the, it's, the Emperor yeah. is still around. It, it was just like, this is just like, it, it was a good establishing point of, even with such a small and like limited resources of this force, we're able to strike a huge blow against the Empire. We were able to destroy, destroy a moon-sized battle station that can destroy planets. They, they, they prove that we may not be technologically superior to you, but we can still beat you. Mm-hmm. So it was a good morale victory by destroying a symbol of the Empire like that. Yeah. It's just interesting because we know they didn't know they were getting a sequel, but like knowing that there is a next two, like it it just seems weird because it's, it's a interesting standalone, like thinking about it in that perspective, because it, you know, could have very well been just that one movie weird. I can't, I can't even, it's hard to picture a world without Star Wars. It's like picturing a world without Disney. Like when you really think about it, even if you're not into Disney, even if you're not into Star it, it, Wars, yeah, seriously, the world I mean, would be different without these, with without these key points that made these changes. So I actually was looking up because I was thinking about this during the movie. Luke is apparently supposed to be about nineteen. So Mark Hamill was about twenty four when he did this. I was wondering because there's the scene on Tatooine when he's cleaning C three PO and R two. He's like. Yeah you know, playing with a little, like, like a little fighter jet thing. And I'm like, how old is he supposed to be? And he's supposed to be, like, 19. So I guess he's supposed to be 22 in oh, Empire yeah, Strikes Back. Yeah, just, and yeah. I guess that makes him about 20. Because I guess Return of the Jedi technically takes place about a year after. I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline because I feel like it, honestly, the timeline changes, like, way too much that I can't even remember which one is the current timeline in terms of age. Because I, I do know that... I, yeah. Okay, so the Empire... Okay, so Luke and Leia were born in 19 ABY, oh, or uh, BBY, which is the bo- before the Battle of Yavin, which is the, when they destroyed the, um, the Death Star. So, yeah, I think that... And the Empire was destroyed, and I want to say, like, five or seven ABY. So, like, five or seven years after the events of the end of this movie is when the empire was officially defeated. Okay. Because it's three years after. So, and then I yeah, like looked online fi- yeah. because I was like, why I, I thought I was looking online. Uh, this is a while ago because I'm like, yeah, why did they wait three years to go get Han? They know where he is. And then I realized, Oh no, it's only <laughs> been about a year. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's better. <laughs> Makes a little more sense than then just like, yeah, yeah I don't know. Well, we got, we got time. He's not, he's not going anywhere. So, uh, yeah, this, I, I mean, do we even really need to recommend this movie? I feel like everybody's already seen it. And if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, yeah. watch it. <laughs> and if you have seen it, watch it again. It It's, 
this is by far my favorite one. You guys definitely need to see this in any way you can. Um, it's available on Disney+. Plus. That's probably the best place you can get it. You will be able to hear um, a clunky. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, because that's something to experience. Because when I first saw that, I had no idea what that was. Uh, so watching that, it's like, what the fuck? I had to rewind that like two or three times. Like, what the hell was that? Like a a weird like audio glitch? Like, no, he says McClunky right before getting <laughs> shot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely recommend this. May the fourth be with you, folks. And join um, us for yeah the rest of the month. We're talking all Star Wars. Yeah, I'm seriously looking forward to it. And also, I'm really looking forward to talking a lot more about Clone Wars in the future. Oh, yeah. And and also, uh, stay tuned because on Disney Plus, so they released a docu, I think a docu series about the making of Mandalorian. So I'm super pumped to check that out. That's good. That looks so cool. Yeah. And I have I have heard rumors that at the end of that there is going to be either like a teaser trailer <gasps> or uh, some regards to Mandalorian season two. I don't know if that's I don't yeah. know if that's confirmed yet though. So don't take my word for it. Mandalorian season three. I just I had read just went into pre production. I'm like they are not wasting time. No, and I'm so excited because um, Rosario Dawson has been confirmed to be Ahsoka Tanu in Mandalorian season two. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. That's my, I, that'd be a nice, do we know it's supposed to come out maybe in the fall? Maybe I could, that'd be a good, that'd be a good like chunk of time for me to force myself to finish Clone Wars. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, join us next week where we're going to talk Empire Strikes Back. So we're going to stick with the Oridge this whole month. And yeah, gonna be fun (laughs) yay okay all right um in the meantime i'm kevin tracy i'm samantha tomlinson and this has been movie reel may the force be with you and also with you okay bye